The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after, he, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed." And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. A dispute also arose among them as to which one of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. For who is greater? One who reclines at table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am among you as the one who serves. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Jesus, would you take your words to us tonight and teach us, transform us, and call us to be more faithful followers of you. We love you and praise you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. If you'd like to follow along tonight, I will only put one verse on the, on the screen for you, but the passage that I just read from Luke 22, 14 to 27, is what I'd like to spend a few minutes talking about tonight. As you've been listening in our service so far, and as you no doubt picked up on a handful of our readings, a lot of talk about the Lord providing for his people, a lot of talk about the bread and the wine, the passage from Exodus, the passage from Psalms, and then the passage from 1 Corinthians. And then our reading from Luke tonight is no different. This is the night when Jesus gathers with his disciples to celebrate the Last Supper with them and has many things, of course, to talk to them about. The Last Supper, of course, communion as we often call it, is a meal that we not only celebrate on this day, but we actually celebrate every Sunday, and for good reason, in the church. But part of the mystery of this sacramental meal that we will participate in in just a little bit is that Jesus makes a very close connection between himself and the bread. Now, every one of us knows this. I grew up in the church. I've heard this all my life. Depending upon what tradition you are from, you have a slightly different way of nuancing or whatever that word means, right? It just means you give a slightly different angle or bent or a little bit of a better understanding or explanation of exactly what it is that is happening. But we know in the church, this is mysterious. It's a mystery. And we call it a sacrament. Because a sacrament is something that we participate in that's physical and tangible and that is from the earth, bread and wine, but that with that comes somehow in some way a special mysterious spiritual blessing that we stand to receive when we participate in it. 
Most denominations, regardless of where you're from, will agree to that. How they parse out exactly what is happening gets people um, in trouble with one another, sadly, because the point isn't exactly how it's working and what's going on. There's something else that I want to bring to your attention tonight, and that is what often goes unrecognized. And that is that what Jesus has done to his body, what people do to Jesus's body, Jesus does to the bread. This, of course, makes sense because we know that the bread is his body. But I've titled this message with four verbs, four verbs that Luke uses when he describes what is happening in communion. Taken, blessed, broken, and given. Fascinatingly enough, in every single one of the gospel accounts, in the book of Acts, and in 1 Corinthians, whenever the entire New Testament speaks of communion, these same four verbs are used every single time. Taken, blessed, broken, and given. We can think of the first verb, taken, as the Bible's way of, of referring to calling or election. And here's what I want to do tonight. I just want to use these four verbs and I want to explain to you how they could be both understood as things that are actually happening with bread and things that are actually happening with Jesus as a human being. Because for us as the church to fully participate in this meal, we need to know what it is that we are taking into our bodies and we need to know what it is that Jesus is encouraging us to be prepared to have happen to us the same way it happened to him. So Jesus reaches out and he takes bread. He singles out a loaf of bread and decides, this is the bread I want to use. Not that loaf, not that loaf, not that loaf, this loaf. I want to pull this loaf out and I want to use this loaf to feed my disciples. When the Lord calls someone in the Bible, we might call this election or calling. He takes someone. He takes Jacob, not Esau. He takes Adam and says in the Garden of Eden, the Lord took the man that he had formed and he put him in the garden. So we, we know this right from the very get-go. The Lord takes Jesus, he calls Jesus, he pulls Jesus out, and he has some unique purpose for which he wants Jesus to participate. That is all calling means. That is all election means. The focus is not on who isn't chosen. The focus is on the fact that the Lord reaches down, picks a person based on nothing that they've done, but says, I want to use you to reach the masses. The way the Lord does that is he reaches in and he takes that person and then he blesses them. Why does the Lord bless people that he takes? He does it not to the, so that they can have lavished gifts of grace poured on them, but so that they can take the lavish gifts of grace that God has poured on them and share it with other people. This is what it means to be blessed by the Lord. Sometimes he does this with an individual. Sometimes he does this with an entire people group. Israel as a nation was blessed by the Lord. Adam and Eve were blessed by the Lord. Abram was blessed by the Lord. Isaac was blessed by the Lord. Jacob was blessed by the Lord. Joseph, also blessed. We'll get to uh, the third verb in a minute, which might um, depict Joseph's life a little clearer than it would for blessing, but we do know that the Lord chooses to bless people. We say a blessing over our food before we eat it, or we pray a blessing over another person to wish them well in life. What are we doing when we do that? We're asking the Lord to shine his face upon them and enrich their lives, or we're asking him to enrich our food so that it benefits us when we eat it. I end most of our services on Sunday by reminding you of a blessing given to us in Numbers chapter six. It goes like this. 
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. What I'm asking the Lord to do is to make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. I want his gaze turned toward you for your benefit. I want him to bless you. It's the same thing Jesus says in Matthew 5, 3 to 10. We know them as the Beatitudes, but they all begin the same way. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Jesus is pronouncing the Lord's blessing on these kinds of people. What an odd group to be the recipients of God's blessings though, aren't they? Don't we normally imagine that those who are blessed are rich or happy or who know how to stand up for themselves? Not according to Jesus. Rather, those who are blessed are those whose lives seem to lack something. Their state of blessedness springs from their need for the Lord, not what they can do for the Lord. And in a very real way, the brokenness of their lives paves the way for the Lord to do some of his most glorious work. And that's the third verb that Luke uses to describe what Jesus does with the bread. It's the same thing the Lord does with Jesus. Brokenness. Too often, I'm afraid, in the church, Christians tend to imagine that the Lord's blessing on our lives means somehow that we will be exempt from difficulties, from sufferings, and from brokenness. But that wasn't true for Jesus. In John 12, he reminds his listeners that, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies... It bears much fruit. Jesus, of course, was speaking these words about himself. The fruit he hoped to bear was the enriching of millions of lives. And that could not happen, Jesus was saying, unless his life, this grain of wheat, falls into the earth and dies. But when it does, the fruit that comes forth as a result can be shared with everyone. And this, of course, is the final verb Luke uses in describing communion between Jesus and his disciples. Given. Jesus breaks the bread so that he can give it to his disciples. And one of the most magnificent of all of Jesus' miracles, one that appears in all four Gospels, is the feeding of the 5,000. Fascinatingly enough, the same four verbs are used in describing that miracle. Jesus takes the bread, he blesses it, he breaks it and he gives it to his disciples. But what's super cool about the way that narrative is told to us is that when the disciples go collecting the pieces, it says that they receive 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. You see, there is something about breaking bread. There is something about breaking a person. There is something about the humility that comes in the life of a person who endures suffering, which produces riches and produces blessings that far exceed what could have remained there had that person remained whole the entire time. I'm telling you what, we fight this tooth and nail as human beings. We do not want to go into suffering. We do not want to experience brokenness. We do not want to experience hardship. And the whole time the Lord is saying, I've taken you, I've blessed you. Let me take you through this. 
so that there can be riches and blessings for everyone. Think of the life of Joseph. He is literally taken, but he's taken from his own family. He's sent away into Egypt where it says repeatedly, the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. That is code for Joseph has the Lord's blessing. The Lord's face is shined upon him. But then he is falsely accused, falsely imprisoned, forgotten about in prison, helps his fellow prisoners get out of prison. They forget about him too. And he stays there several more years only to then be just like an absolute slave in a prison. What is happening to Joseph? His spirit is being remolded. His spirit is being reshaped. And when he gets out of prison, what is he able to do? Bring immense blessing and give immense blessing to his brothers, to his nation, to the world. His brothers are afraid. They know what's going to happen when they come and face Joseph square on him. What does he say to them? It's not because of what you did. God sent me here. God provided this blessing. This isn't a fault of yours. And I think Jesus is our example in the exact same way. Someone who says, I will do whatever the Father says. The Father's blessings are poured out onto Jesus, not for Jesus' advantage alone, but for our advantage. And Jesus willingly walks into the brokenness and the destruction and the death of this world so that he can give the world his life. Taken, blessed, broken, and given. It is not just a meal that we share. Taken, blessed, broken, and given is the embodiment of the life of the one who feeds us this meal. And when we come and receive our life from him through this meal, we say to Jesus, we believe the path of being taken, blessed, broken, and given is the path to new life. And it's the path that we want you to take us on by faith, believing that it is the best thing for us and the best thing for the world and the best thing for your glory. That's a pretty tall ask when we walk up to this rail and say, I'm gonna participate in this meal. I'm gonna participate in a meal that talks about being taken, blessed, broken, and given. Jan, would you just flip one slide on the screen? I I meant to do this earlier, but I just wanted to show you right in the passage, the passage I read is just this. He took bread and when he had given thanks, that's the blessing, he broke it and gave it. This is the pattern. It's the pattern of Jesus's life. It's the pattern of the Holy Communion meal. And it is the pattern that Jesus calls his followers to imitate in our own lives, both as individuals and as a community. That's why it's so ironic that our passage ends the way that it does. With the disciples arguing about who is the greatest. You wanna know how faithful kingdom citizens argue amongst themselves? Which one of us is the most broken? Which one of us has the most flaws? Which one of us is the least likely for God to do his great work through? And then we just stand in awe when we watch God do his best work through the poor in spirit, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they will be satisfied, they will be comforted, they will be filled for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, that's the message that we need from you tonight. And that's the message that I know I need in my own life. So I pray this week that you would, by your spirit, just work those verbs into our hearts and minds. Taken, blessed, broken, and given for the life of the world. That we would rejoice that you walked this path, 
we would rejoice that this is what you did with the bread, knowing that this is what was going to be done to you. And then you are inviting us to participate in this meal holistically and sacramentally by being prepared to be taken, blessed, broken, and given ourselves for the blessing and for the life of the world. Thank you for the strength that comes only through you, by your spirit, in your power. And I pray tonight that you would, by your spirit, bless those in this room with your presence, with your comfort, and with your healing. We love you and praise you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.